Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly roundup of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. And this is episode 144. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host. This week, digital editor Alex chats to Portuguese chef Antonio Galapito. Antonio is co-owner and chef of popular Lisbon restaurant Prado. They chat about Portuguese ingredients and the coolest new food trends in Lisbon. Then later, Travel Adriana talks about her recent trip to Sri Lanka, and in particular, the food scene at the Port of Gala, including fish markets, tea shops, and spicy curries. Hello, it's Alex here. Uh, I'm at Bardoro in Flatiron Square, London Bridge, chatting to Portuguese chef Antonio Galapito. Antonio spent time working with Nuno Mendes in London before returning to Lisbon and opening his brilliant restaurant Prado in late 2017, which I've had the pleasure of eating at in um, a couple of months after opening, actually, just stumbled across it. And he's back in London for one night only as part of Barduro's Portuguese chef series. So look out for um, some more chefs that are coming up from Porto and Lisbon. But meanwhile, Antonio is going to chat to us a little bit about Portuguese ingredients and yeah. new trends in Lisbon at the moment. So, hola, sure. Antonio. Hello. Nice to have you. Thank you. Um, so, Prado means meadow in Portuguese, doesn't right. it? Right. Um, yes. And this really reflects the restaurant's commitment to local seasonal ingredients because you use Portugal's we finest use, yeah. ingredients. We try to. Um, we try to. We're, yeah. lo- we're, lo- we're looking out for them. Anything unique that you've got on the menu at the moment? Fish. And uh, fish is... Obviously, everyone knows about it. It's, it's very good. It's loads of varieties and species and shellfish as well. Um, and a few vegetables that are, you know, vegetable it was a small thing a few years ago. Now it's uh, obviously becoming a trend. Absolutely. Um, and in a good way, in the good sense. And, uh, and some Portuguese, I, I don't know, I think th- there's everything yeah. for, for everyone. And uh, you know it's it's great to be back and see the the, the that the future is 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 very promising. I yes. Think, for Portuguese food and Portuguese ingredients. Absolutely. So can we talk about? Um, we can come on to the vegetables after. But um, I know you have a beef tartare that you're cooking uh, tonight. I think for us. Yes. When you're at Prado, you use a s- certain types of Portuguese cows, don't yes. you? For That's your. Right. Wi- can you tell us a bit yeah. about them? Why they're so, so unique? In Portugal, there's around 11 uh, Portuguese breeds, and we use about six. And we change, you know, depending on the. We try to buy as much from the animal as possible. Never like, just don't pick cuts. We just get what's from the best animal that they have that week. We just get get that cut, and we use that cut for the tartar or for other dishes. But usually, the tartar. Um, so there's uh, sometimes we have barrosa. Uh, sometimes we have maronesa or arqueza or yeah, I don't know. There's, like, there's a lot. There's a lot. And <laughs> the they're all very, very unique and, and at the same time quite good in, you know, 
they're all very, very good in quality-wise. And, and they're always uh, very old cows. So they've lived okay. a very, very happy life. Uh, sometimes it's like, once we got a 27-year-old cow. Wow. That was like... Very happy cow. Very well, happy. <laughs> and yes, usually are working animals. So they work in the fields. Okay. Um, and then the farmers, you know, they're, they're like pets to the farmers. Uh, but eventually the, the, you know, the farmers either get too old to mm -hmm. take care of them. So they sell them. And uh, so it's just, uh, we auction them. Yeah. They auction them. So we end up with amazing quality, you know, uh, meat and uh, great flavors. And, you know, when we wanted to take advantage of that, and obviously we use it. Absolutely. Because it's worth noting, geography-wise, the north of Portugal is borders with... Galicia Spain. Yeah. in Spain and yeah. the Galician beef, the yeah. aged beef. Yeah, they have also very old animals. Uh, yeah. But the Spanish also come to Portugal to buy our breeds. Okay. So there's a big... Uh, Bit of a rivalry uh, We are trying to not let the Spanish buy, buy it all because obviously the Spanish have more money. So they, they take all those animals uh, in auctions and the Portuguese can compete financially with them. So it's a little bit annoying sometimes. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit of a discussion, but, uh, you know, we're getting there. Yeah. We're getting there. Uh, but yeah. So sometimes if you hear Galician beef, it could be Portuguese. Oh, ooh. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. But that's, you have, that's plen true. have plenty of other um, ingredients, don't you? So um, what about some of your herbs that you use? Uh, you use a certain type of mint, don't you? I've seen oh, yes. on your menu. There's a few native uh, herbs. I think, um, like river mint or pennyroyal, which are used traditionally in many dishes, especially in the Alentejo. Um, and uh, we use it, but although we don't do much traditional cooking, we, we use those traditional ingredients, which are very nice. For instance, river mint tastes quite like spearmint, like okay. really, really fresh, like when you have that, the, the chewing gum. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so super, yeah. I, I really like it. And what do you use that with? Uh, just any fre anything that you want them to taste fresh. I think fish, meat, I don't know, lamb is good. Vegetables, especially tomatoes. We've done with tomatoes. Um, well, just, you know, anything with pork fat, anything. Great. <laughs> <laughs> and you were saying that you don't you tend to um, cook traditional Portuguese food um, at Prado. And I think uh, it's really interesting what's happening in Portugal because... There was a time when Portuguese food, very, very unfairly, like English food, had a bit of a bad reputation. Yeah, and true. now um, young chefs like you have really tried to evolve yeah. Portuguese cuisine. So what are the trends in Portugal and Lisbon in particular at the moment with food and drink? Yeah, I think, well, Portuguese cooking is obviously having its importance, especially for the Portuguese chefs, I think, and to look at it with different eyes. So that's very important for us. Um, but also, I think uh, other chefs have done really great jobs, but it's just different now, I think. Um, I mean, in Lisbon especially, I think, like, Asian food is starting to appear. Okay. Like, it's quite settled in London, I think, and Mexican food as well. But in Lisbon, a few restaurants are up and, you know, coming out. Some so are, are they... good, some are really bad. But, uh... <laughs> we, won't, we won't say which the bad ones are. No, what are no, the good no, ones? Absolutely not. <laughs> are you, are, you, um, are they using Portuguese ingredients and like as a fusion? Yeah, um... yeah a few, uh, a few are, are doing that, so, which is very interesting, obviously. But I don't think the ingredients from Portugal are that much different from, for instance, the UK. No. I think they're pretty much... I think your vegetables same. are really great. Like... Yeah, I mean, we have 
vegetables, but you, I'm sure you can grow them here as well. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We have just the seasons great are carrots. a bit longer there because the, cause the weather. So like micro seasons is not such a thing. Like for instance here, because of the climate here is so different. Um, so there is more like, I call it like the six months tomato season and six months cabbage season. So that's, uh, it's a bit, sometimes it's a bit weird. You use uh, quite a lot of cabbage on your menu, don't you? Yeah, that's because sometimes it's the only thing available. <laughs> Okay. Like at this time right now, I mean, there's a few turnips and whatnot, but like cabbages, we have, we work with six uh, vegetable producers, so farmers, and uh, they pretty much all have cabbages now. Okay. So are they uh, any? Are they unique to Portugal? Yeah, a few are. Um, a few are uh, like the penca, which I don't know the name in, in English. Penca cabbage. What's that uh, like? Is penca. it a different color? No, it's a really, it's got a lot, like a really thick stem, mm-hmm. white and super, super crunchy and really, really tasty. I think the stem is the best part of it. Ah, um, so nice. it's That's really, it's got like a really amazing crunch and just bursts of flavors. Really nice. It's very traditional, very used with uh, cod dishes. Cod, okay. Yeah. Because there's a lot of salt cod in Portugal, yeah, isn't lot. there? <laughs> That's all they eat. We. <laughs> do, you, do you use that at all? Have you no, we like don't use, adapted it? No, we don't use cod at all because it's not from Portuguese waters. So we only use fish from Portuguese waters. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I know. I've tried to put cod once on the menu and one of our customers actually l- let me know in the kitchen that why are we advertising that we only serve Portuguese ingredients while cod is... It's technically a Portuguese ingredient, but it's not Portuguese products. That's that is really well, interesting because you would just I assume, put it wouldn't on, you? Only once on the menu, and I got straight away. I was like, I was scared to put it on, <laughs> and on the same night that I put it on, we got that feedback, and I was like, never again, <laughs> Damn. never again. I was like, Phew. it's good to know that your customers really do believe your. Yeah, obviously it's, it's everything great, else is but, from Portugal. <laughs> it's, uh, because you use uh, ceramics and napkins yeah. and everything from yes. Portuguese producers, apron, don't you? So the apron, um, yeah, we tried to go as much Portuguese as we could and bought everything and made everything there, you know, with all the artisans. So we did a lot of partnerships. Obviously, coffee is not. And we got to have coffee. Yeah, <laughs> Otherwise, I don't think uh, we'll get returning customers, at least. So, yeah, yeah. That, I think coffee and sugar is pretty much the only thing that we have to wow. really buy from outside. Pretty impressive. Yeah. And what about wines? I think that's um, natural wines is quite a trend in Lisbon at the moment, isn't it? When uh, I went, it's there was not quite as much as in London. No? No, definitely not. I think there's a lot of natural wines when I went. Yeah? Yeah. Oh. In wine bars. you got to let me know. Because <laughs> I don't know that In many. your restaurant as well. There's yeah, lots. yeah. In, uh, there's only like four, three, four places that I know that, well, a few more now. Uh, but like when we opened, there was not that much. A few like Cafe Tati, which is now closed, unfortunately. Oh, that's true. Uh, yeah, they were there for like 10 eight years or something. But then, yeah, someone bought the building. Shame. Big shame. Um, Comida Independent and uh, Prado, I think. And some restaurants, but they were not like they were doing some natural wines, some normal wines. Um, so, but we, I just like personally, I prefer, I'm a big natural wine fan. Um, and what what are Portuguese wine producers doing with natural wines? I think they're just, you know, doing wines that are less concentrated, less extractive, just more, you know, letting the grapes do the talk, not the winemaker put his ego. It's a bit like chefing, I think. Yeah. If you're comparing, like chefs now are doing like more simple food, naked stuff, you know, no, no, no. 
not much fuss. Yeah, and no I foams think, and. I think I think wine is a little bit like that now. You know, I compare it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a good so yeah, comparison, good. actually. And what any producers to look out for when we're in Portugal? Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of friends. I don't want to not mention any, but... Uh, <laughs> it's uh, like the I Oscar know. speech. Pe don't want to yeah. leave anyone out. <laughs> Pedro Valde Capucha. So Valde Capucha wines are amazing from the region of Lisbon. Also Humus and Serradinha, which is very... And what was the last one? Uh, Humus and Serradinha. Okay. They're from Leiria, like the region in the Leiria, which is, I think, is Lisbon. Uh, Vitor Claro, it's very nice. I mean, I don't know. Do you like Vino Verde wines? Yes, yes. Afros from Vino Verde region. Afros? Oh, yeah. Afros, very good. They make amazing biodynamic stuff. No electricity and whatnot. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I, I know a few of them quite well. Because <laughs> the Vino Verde wines are a lot... Uh, we've actually got a guide on olivemagazine.com at the moment. Our wine writer, Kate Hawkins, has written it. And... Um, I love them. They're really like crisp and bright, aren't they? Yeah. So those Yeah, uh, there's a few up and like new. Those producers are now, now do, looking at Vino Verde a lot more. And I think a lot of interesting stuff is going to come out soon from that region. And I think the, the like the red Vino Verde, yeah. which is uh, a very old traditional tradition. And now it's a bit of a strange wine to drink because it's like you should drink it really chilled. Okay. And it's a little fizzy. Uh, I think it's really cool, and some of them are doing really, really amazing, like the, that style. Right, um, yeah, because I think Kate's actually tried. given some recommendations of these red reds, because yeah. I think it's known as Vino Verde because trans it translates as green wine, but yeah. it's not actually green. <laughs> no, it's definitely not green. It's just Quite from misleading. the region. Yeah. That's the region. Yeah, <laughs> and you can get a lot of um, really good value wines, can't you, yeah, from yeah. there? I think so. I'm not sure if they're good, though. Well, <laughs> well, these ones are. Yeah. Um, the and ones that I'm talking about, yeah. But they come with a little bit more of a price. But I guess that's quality. you got to pay for it. Finally, I can't talk to a Portuguese chef without being very stereotypical and asking about Peixe de Nata. <laughs> only because our readers seem to absolutely love them. Like, whenever yeah. we put a picture on social media, they're... Um, that always do really well. So any tips before we go? Yeah. Because I know you're being called into the kitchen right now, which yeah, is yeah. exciting. Yeah, we got to do briefing. <laughs> um, so I think definitely a hot oven. Very hot very, oven. Very hot. Very hot. Like uh, usually I think it's for, traditionally I think it's 400 degrees, but you can do 350. When we used to do them at Taverna Mercado, which unfortunately is now closed, um, which I thought was pretty amazing. We did some really amazing ones there. Um, what else? What else is a good tip? I think we used to flavor them with some orange zest. And oh, okay. Definitely that gave it a nice, uh, interesting kick. Um, and yeah. what about the pastry? How to make it extra crisp? Oh, that's so tough. Could that's do a whole a, other podcast on yeah, that. Yeah, you could do it. Yeah, for sure. We have to, uh, I don't know. Just uh, you got to roll it out perfectly. It's years of practice. Okay. But the most important is definitely like a hot oven. Hot oven. Okay. Yeah. Because wow. it should be nice and quick so the custard doesn't curdle inside, um, doesn't get like really overcooked and seem like like scrambled egg oh, yeah. kind of style. And we used to do a really creamy center one 
which was quite nice. Really smooth. Okay, really well, smooth. thank you very much. I know you're literally being called into the kitchen for your briefing. So um, Antonia's dinner at Bardo is the first in a series of Portuguese dinners, and they're hosted by chefs from Porto, Lisbon, and beyond. So um, do head down to try. Unfortunately, you'll have missed Prado by the time this goes live, but you mm. can try one of the other chefs and also head to Prado in Lisbon when you get the chance. So thanks very much yeah. for sharing your tips. Thank you. Thank you. Hiya, it's Alex here and I'm with travel editor Rhiannon talking about Sri Lanka, possibly the hottest destination of 2019, which you've written about for the Easter issue, haven't you? That's right, yes. I mean, everyone seems to be talking about Sri Lanka at the moment and I know already my Instagram feed is back to back. Absolutely. Beautiful, <laughs> lush mountains from Sri Lanka and temples and beaches and things. Um I went towards the end of last year and mainly stuck to the area around Gaul on the southwest coast, which is about two and a half hours drive from the capital, Colombo. And I know that you've been there before as well, haven't you? Yes. Yeah, I actually went to Sri Lanka a couple of years ago with my family and did a lot of the south coast and the, the golden tri cultural triangle, they call it, um, in the mid middle of the country. But we did go to Galfort as well. It's, it's such a beautiful place because it is quite touristy, but in a nice way it's, it's really not atmospheric too, yeah it? it's not too uh not too busy and it's a beautiful setting because um it's a, a network of little streets sandwiched between like these 17th century buildings which are a legacy of the dutch city's dutch occupation because a lot of sri lanka is um they had the dutch occupation and um there's these beautiful shimmering um like these grassy ramparts from the that are protected from the Indian Ocean so it's beautiful yeah it is really atmospheric and um and also it's quite arty isn't it there are lots of little mm. galleries and craft shops and open-sided cafes uh but I think the nice thing about it is, although it is so cosmopolitan, lots of expats there who've set up these businesses, as well as locals, um, if you want really authentic Sri Lankan flavours, you can mm -hmm. find them as well. Um, not always why you might expect them. Um, you know, I mean, it's known for, that area is known for its fish curries, obviously. Yeah. And um, you can still get all those classic street foods like kotu and um, spices, little open piles of spices everywhere on stalls um but one of the first things I tasted when I was there was a lemon ice cream made with local buffalo curd at oh. a place called Isle of Gelato which is a gelateria as you would guess um in the heart of Gaul Fort and I thought that was really nice because it was putting a slight Sri Lankan twist on gelato the locals eat buffalo curd the way we would eat yogurt and you see it in the market stacked up in these really sweet little clay pots. Um, and it's got that telltale tang that yogurt does. I really liked it. I had it a few times for breakfast with um, chopped up fresh mango and Ooh. palm syrup. It was oh, really lovely. nice. But I liked it in the ice cream. Yeah, I um, I didn't actually see that, but I wish I had. <laughs> Missed out there. But what about that fresh fish? Because uh, being right on the coast, it's really known for that, isn't it? And there's plenty of it. It is, and it's really good. Um, in fact, we visited the local fish market just outside Gorefort, and that was really fascinating. The fish come straight off the boats, um, which are hauled up on the beach just next to the market. So, And the stalls are... Well, when we were there, they were all on these makeshift tables that were basically upturned boats with a, a slab of 
timber put on the top. They so have you're those really... on the beaches as well, <laughs> like all over the country. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, of course, the stilt fishermen outside our along that stretch of coast, which I know some are just there for people taking photographs of, but outside our hotel there were the real there was the real deal. Really? Fishing oh, for mackerel. God, and it's gorgeous. amazing to watch them do it that way. Um and the fish is just, you know, it's great. Obviously, most of us when we're visiting are not renting somewhere with a kitchen so we're not really in the market to yeah, buy fish that, which it? is a shame um but there are plenty of places to eat fish one of the places I'd probably recommend in Gulfort was the tuna and the crab um it's in uh, the old Dutch hospital building which is quite beautiful and the chef owner Darshan Munidasa I hope that's how you pronounce his name. Um, he's a Japanese Sri Lankan chef who's really known in Colombo for his Ministry of Crab and Nihonbashi restaurants. Oh, Ministry yes, of Crab yeah. is a kind of cult restaurant. It, yes, it is. You wear the bibs, don't you? Yes. <laughs> and they kind of specialise in this uh, lagoon crab export uh, quality lagoon crab. So it's really good. And he, but in the tuna and the crab in Gaul, he blends Japanese and Sri Lankan flavors so Fab. you get really nice garlic chili crab but you also get great tempura and sashimi um and the other fish dish I think you really have to try if you're in that area is the buttered cuttlefish at bed space um nice um, name for a, <laughs> a restaurant <laughs> I, I it's a little it's a really tiny little boho bar which I think started as a kind of guest house and that's okay, well, I think right, it still is a guest house um and that's probably why it got that name it's a nightmare to find somebody um, recommended it to me on Instagram otherwise I'd never have stumbled on it um, I love Instagram for that it is really handy and um it's in Unawatuna which is the beach enclave just outside Gaul it's quite Fort. a um travelery hippie place in exactly a good way. in yeah. a nice way um and you can just get a tuk-tuk there from Gaul in about 10 minutes um and this but they're known for this dish people go there just to have this dish and it is amazing it's um it's made with spring onions and honey and chili and lots of garlic and it's i thought it was a bit like a posh take on a sweet and sour because it's got the you know the cuttlefish is all chewy and crunchy on the outside because it's got it's deep fried in corn flour batter i think um but then the sauce is a kind of sticky smoky sweet chili and soy sauce it's really good oh, amazing <laughs> <laughs> definitely missed out here um and also I seem to remember you had some really amazing fish curries as well yes um actually the best ones I had were at the hotel I was staying at which was called the owl and the pussycat oh, that looked um, which is really sweet it's in Talpe, which again is or Talpa. uh it's about 15 minutes outside uh Gaul by tuk-tuk easy to get back and forth uh and it's this kind of rainbow-coloured, Instagram-friendly hotel, only 17 rooms, it's quite quiet, and it's got this lovely restaurant right on the coast. So you're sitting and eating with the sound of the waves. You know, it's lovely. Um, uh, and they do, though they do, you should start with their king coconut mojito because they're made with fresh coconut juice. They're really good. Um, and in Rome. <laughs> exactly. Be rude not to. Uh, and then you, they, their signature dish in the restaurant is uh, the railway tali, which is named after your typical rail travellers, um, kind of assemblage of curry and rice and sides. And the makeup varies each day according to what's fresh, but typically it'll be a creamy coconut curry made with prawns or white fish. And um, 
then they serve it with these little puffs of homemade poppadoms on the side and a really lovely rich dal scattered with mustard seeds uh, and then loads of different sides like I think I had a chili flecked okra maybe jackfruit which was kind of really nicely kind of stringy and t- a bit like chicken yeah texture. a lot of people are using jackfruit instead of um, meat in, in street food markets and that's in, right um, in London so yeah yeah it's a bit really of a interesting <laughs> um and what else oh and my favorite was these um crunchy green winged beans I hadn't come across winged beans before but they are everywhere in Sri Lanka and they're a bit they're, they're like crunchy runner beans I suppose uh, and they don't look like that they have got little wings on them which I might <laughs> called that Cute. but they um they taste and feel a bit like runner beans and they thinly slice them and roll them in coconut Oh, sounds really great. Nice. Well, there's a lot there. It sounds quite <laughs> filling. <laughs> well, actually, yes, that's a good point because although they are these curries are delicious, after a few days, although I could kind of eat them forever, after a few days you you start feeling like you want something a bit fresher and Agreed. lighter. Yeah. And um in fact you were one of the people that recommended Poonie's kitchen oh, to me. Yes, we loved that. <laughs> that was a stumble upon for us, like it? and a very, very good one at that. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's such a good recommendation and that is right in the heart of Gulfort um, and it's this little courtyard cafe um, at the back of a kind of boho um, clothes shop. Yeah, you um, have to, you really, we followed the sign, like we, you know, we were just those like tourists, but I do recommend doing that because you wouldn't know, would no. you, that it was there. No, you but wouldn't. But it is gorgeous, yeah. Um, and also when you're travelling quite often you think, uh, well, I don't really want um, kind of expat no. food. I want Sri Lankan food, but I think they've done it really cleverly. So it's actually just what you want when you're there. Um, and it does, I mean, it has, a lot of their menu is quite Southeast Asian more mm, than Sri Lankan, absolutely. but they do have... Um, lots of dishes that are much more locally influenced and their salad talis I thought were a genius idea (laughs) because um you know they blend that kind of um European and Asian flavor really well uh they're like curry talis only they're obviously salad (laughs) and they um again you know they change every day according to what has been delivered to the kitchen but mine had pomegranate seeds scattered beetroot coleslaw, rose carrots, caramelised aubergine. It was a lovely chopped lettuce salad with cucumber and avocado, little squishy cubes of butternut squash and okra, these tiny little baked potatoes, um, lovely sweet orange and red tomatoes. And um, uh, they'd also made these really, really thin rye crackers to go with it. And obviously, yeah, all these lovely herbs and little spices sprinkled on them. Um, and then I ordered a passion fruit soda, um, oh, yeah, fresh passion fruit uh, with soda water to go with it. And it was just exactly what I wanted. Yeah, <laughs> really, really refreshing because after all the sweet and like the aubergine, like sambal and everything, you know, I loved it. But, you know, yeah, need a bit of a break. <laughs> yes. um, and also, obviously, to point out the obvious, Sri Lanka we drank a lot of tea. I can imagine you did as well. <laughs> I, di- I did. And I, I mean, it is obvious, but at the same time, I wasn't quite prepared for how good the tea would be. And I really didn't have a bad cup the whole time I was there. And not only that, every single cup was really, really impressively good. Um, not like the coffee, which is pretty nah. dreadful. Nah. <laughs> I definitely away. go for tea. Um, and, um, you know, if you want to just go and have a cup somewhere, 
reliable. I in Goldfort itself, I ordered a pot of golden pico from T Eli. Yeah, Eli, I think you would pronounce it, um, in the on the terrace of the Fort Bazaar Hotel, which is really nice. It's quite it's very cool, but it's got that kind of old school vibe as well. This leafy terrace with fans whirring overhead and you can watch the world go by while you're sitting having this very elegant pot of tea. Um, so I recommend that. But I'd also go to somewhere called Withered Leaves, which is a tea boutique upstairs in the same complex as the Tune and the Crab. And that sells loose leaf teas from a, a, estates across Sri Lanka, um, all out of these beautiful golden tea urns and they're you know they're meticulous about how they serve it and package it um it's quite something going in there but the tea is great um and of course the other thing nearby I mean most of Sri Lanka's tea estates are not in that area no but um but there is one called the Handunugoda tea estate and that's just outside Gaul and you can just go there and have a free guided tour if you've got a hire car but if not most hotels will do packaged tours there and you can walk around the tea bushes and stop for a cup of tea I mean they've got a shop but it's really just about getting an idea for what it feels like I think it's it's a nice thing to do yeah it sounds like a great trip yes one other thing that I would also really recommend there which is not particularly foodie but you should do anyway is um a bike tour with idle bikes because that was a real highlight for me they're just outside Gaul again and they took me out in a cycle through this beautiful lush countryside uh passing paddy fields and canals the dutch built lots of canals there and they're just beautiful with kingfishers bobbing and palm trees reflected in the still water you know gorgeous um little villages and um you see all sorts of wildlife. We even spotted a cobra, which someone said to me is this real sign of good luck or of rebirth and new beginnings, which I thought was quite nice if you were feeling a bit fearful seeing a cobra slithering towards yeah. you. Um, and um, But it was magical and I felt like I'd seen a really different side to Sri Lanka compared to what you see in Gaul Fort or Gaul itself. So I'd really recommend that. Yeah, well, it sounds like a pretty dreamy trip. <laughs> I think I want to go back. Um, so if anybody wants to find out more about um, Sri Lanka and Gaul in particular, then Rhiannon's review of the Alan and the Pussycat Hotel and her foodie guide to Gaul are online now. So go ahead to olivemagazine.com and let us know what you think. Thanks a lot, Rhiannon. Thanks, Alex. So that was the Olive Magazine podcast. If you liked this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode, you can visit our website, olivemagazine.com. You can pick up a copy of our brand new Easter issue on the newsstand now, or go and download the app version. Bye for now, and we'll be back next week with more food and drink chat.